Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, as always. And sitting next to me on my right, far right, is Daniel Leach. Daniel, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure as always. Yeah, for some reason you keep showing up again. And so... I kind of figured. Here. I kind of figured after the last one we did in the car, I figured you'd probably boot me off. But here I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know that actually got a decent amount of uh, listeners. Really? For some reason. Oh, well. So some people find you interesting. I'm, uh, I mean, not me, but like <laughs> other people. That's okay. So, anyway, so Daniel, you're you're a junior now at Heartland Baptist Bible College yes, out there in Oklahoma. Where in Oklahoma is I forget. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. How can you forget that? Uh, I don't forget that. <laughs> I don't know. I do, but um, I've never been down there. Maybe it's because I live there for, like, you know, a good chunk of the year. Yeah. But I'm just familiar with the area, especially since we live in, like, the hood-like area. So so you're a junior there. <clears throat> yes, sir. So what, what uh, tell us about this past semester. It was hard. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be that way. Um, I Heartland has designed itself in a way that your junior year is like your hardest year. And it's not it's not just the classes. It's like the spiritual growth that's taking place. I mean, it's kind of like hitting puberty, but spiritually. It's a... Uh, okay. I, I don't really know how else to define it because it's just, it's hard. Yeah. You know, because being like in that teenager, like especially your preteen years, you know, you're... Uh, you know, you're now going to be entering into your middle school and high school time. And, you know, that tends to be like a pretty rough time because not only are you academics, but like now you got to think of your future. Yeah. Like your career wise yeah. and things like that. And I mean, I remember my high school was hard, not my senior years necessarily, but just, you know, growing up, maturing, you know, right. figuring out what I was going to do. You know, I still don't know what I'm going to do, but <laughs> yeah, um, but it's there's a lot of spiritual growth that's taking place because now you're not only are you like. You're trying to find out your identity. Kind of like what we talked yeah. about, like, over breakfast. You know, it's it's finding your identity. It's finding out who you really are. And, you know, I think I think Harlan's designing itself not to find identity in the things around you, but to identify with Christ. Right. And it's that growth experience that just makes it hard because you're recognizing you're just a wicked individual. Yes. So it's it's very hard spiritually um, and academics-wise because, I mean, you're, you're taking Greek classes. You're taking a lot of your harder theology classes. It's just, it's all around just like a hard time. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> just that idea of finding your identity in Christ. We talked about before that, you know, I had you as a high school student. Yep. And you didn't really knew who you were. No one knows who they are in yeah. high school. No. Um, you know, I, even I'm looking back at my high school years, and I'm glad I'm not the same person I was yeah. then. And I'm sure all of my high school teachers would agree that they're glad I'm not the same person <laughs> I was then. Um well, Go ahead. Well, like you said, like over breakfast, it's just, you know, I'm not the same individual I was in high school because, I mean, that person was very immature, yeah. you know, naive. And I feel like that's every high school student to some degree. I'm right. sure there's a lot of people that are smart academically, but they're naive to the sense of what they're going to do. I mean, when I first, in my senior year, I thought I was going to be in the military, 20 yeah. years plus experience. That was it. That was just who I was. Looking now, it's like, I'm glad I wasn't that because who's to say who that person be today? Right. You know, and I'm glad that dream never came true. I'm glad that God stopped that before I even went in. Right. <clears throat> and that's God's plan for you. God's plan for other people would be to go into the military. Yeah, it would be military. So we're not anti-military. No, no we're not anti-military. No, definitely no. not. I, I definitely support my military. And if and if you listening that are military, thank you for your service. Yes. <clears throat> but that wasn't God's plan for you. No, it wasn't God's plan for and, you. And, you know, a lot of 17, 18-year-old kids, they don't know what 
what God's plan for them. And that's normal. That's yeah. part of life. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. But as you're, you're maturing, you're growing in Christ, you're finding out who you actually are yeah. and, and some of the plans that God has for you. Yeah. Um, and some of those plans aren't what you had thought. No. No. And I think, I think that's probably like the biggest lesson that anybody can take away from my life is don't ever, it's okay to plan, but don't ever right. think, you know, it's a set in stone plan. Yeah. Because God, God can change things in ways that you didn't think possible. Right. I mean, just, just at my time at Heartland, you know, we're looking at internships right now. And internships is, is something that's pushed more in the spring semester than it is in the fall. Yeah. But uh, like I even said, you know, there's a couple people that are looking at me to intern in their areas. I originally thought it was going to be Washington. I mean, I had a great time talking with the pastor there. He's like, he's going to pass my information around. I haven't heard nothing from them. I've heard more from Texas than I have from Washington. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's the Lord's leading. Right. You, you know, I don't, I don't specifically know where he's leading. I'm going to be open for everything. Yeah. So. Yes, I, I, never, I never pictured myself as a teacher. Now that I'm looking back with almost 20 years' experience, I thought, yes, this is, this is a good role for me. Um, but that wasn't what I had in mind. Yeah. But God had something better in mind. And through uh, some similar circumstances to what you went through with the military, um, I had to go through some painful experiences to realize, yeah, this is not what... Even though it made perfect sense in my mind, I had a certain track. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was, gonna be a, I was going to be, at one point, an evangelist. Or uh, at one point, <laughs> fresh out of Bible college, I was going to be a church planter because... Nobody else was doing it right, and I was going to be the guy uh, that I think, oh, man, I would have destroyed whatever church I had started, and yeah, I'm glad God saved me from my own plans, Yeah, and God saved other people from my plans, Mm -hmm. thankfully, Um, but now I'm in a place where I believe God wants me to be, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I feel good comfort there, um, some security there. Uh, but who knows? I don't know what God's going to have for me, you know, ten years from now. I I really don't know what God has planned. You know, maybe yeah. once I'm out of high, maybe once I'm out of college, maybe I'm going to take over a church, right. or maybe I'm going to just intern for a long while. Who, who's to say? You know, and right. I think a big thing that's really pushed is the best rule you can take as a pastor. No, the best rule that yeah. you can take is the one that God has for you. Right. And I I feel like so many people push that. Actually, I don't think I see it pushed much anymore. But that is just something that I remember. In my younger years, in high school, you know, that was what was the big thing. Yeah. And that's (laughs) something I had to struggle with, because if you're going to be spiritual, then you have to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, I remember even in college talking with, I was a pastoral ministries major, talking with a friend of mine who was ironically going into teaching, and he felt bad because, like, he says, like, have I missed something? Like, yeah, I don't feel called to preach, but I want to have a relationship with God, and it's like... I remember sitting down with him saying, listen, the, the role of the pastor is to prepare others for the work of the ministry. So we need more people who aren't pastors yeah. um, than who are not, uh, than who are. And I, little did I know that that's advice I would need to follow yeah. someday. Uh, because God hasn't called many people to pastor, and that's by design. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lesser calling because you're a pastor. Now, that doesn't mean... You know, God can still use you as a pastor. Maybe that's exactly what God has for you. Yeah. I don't know. I can't tell you that. <laughs> uh, but we're called to Christ. Yes. More than we're called to a particular role. And as long as you are gravitating toward Christ, if Christ is your center, 
that's where you want to be. Yes. Wherever that leads you. Your your number one priority is your relationship with Christ more than whatever ministry role God may or may not have for you. I think I think that's probably what you and me talk about most just in our, our breakfast conversation yeah. is there's a lot of problems in the church and it's p- putting people on a higher pedestal because right. they're more spiritual. Right. Uh, and more people, they're just comfortable where they're at than wanting to change. Yeah. You know, being with Christ is a lifetime commitment. I mean, nobody ever graduates from studying the Bible until they meet the author himself. Yeah. And I think so many people so often miss that because they're so... We live in a culture that wants you to be comfortable. Yes. And, you know, I, I remember my freshman year of uh, high school, I remember that the uh, theme was living dangerously. That That has never yeah. once left my mind. And I believe that, you know, personal calling here is we need to be set apart from the world to reach the world. You know, you can't reach the world by being like the world. Right. Uh, I remember a pastor once made the statement that the church did most for the world when it was least like it. Because we stood out, we were different. We were content even when we were in poverty. I mean, Paul talks about, I believe it's in Philippians, he yeah. talks about that he is, he's learned to be content when he is both suffering and when he's abundance. Right. I believe it's a base in abundance. I believe the two words that he uses there. And, you know, so many Christians, they, they don't realize that content doesn't come from the things around you through entertainment, through more money. It, it comes with just relying on Christ. Right. And relying on the fact that you're a wicked individual who needs to change. Right. You know, you, if your focus is not on Christ, then where is your focus? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, yeah, part of that is, <laughs> I mean, we all have a desire to be comfortable, but... Yeah. The, the problem is we're living in a foreign territory. Yes. As Paul tells us, we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. And so as long as we are here, we're not going to feel completely comfortable. And if we do, that's a problem. Yes. Um, because we, have, we are living in a wicked and immoral generation. Yep. And I think everybody has that desire. You want to be liked. You want to be respected. You want people to be okay with you. But the truth of the matter is, we're never going to be that way. If we're, if again, if our focus is on Christ, um, you're going to stand out. You've been called to be holy. Yes. You've been called to be set apart. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, you're going to look different. And no matter uh, how much you want to be respected and liked by this world, at the end of the day, you have to tell them you believe you are a wicked, rotten sinner and you are deserving of the fiery pits of hell forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, That's not a nice message. No. And so um, we have a choice. Either we're going to be comfortable with this world or as, um, you know, uh, Paul was talking about one of his associates who was just, he left him for the comforts of this world. Yep. And this world does provide comfort but not eternal comfort. Okay. That is that was a whole big thing right there in that. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, talking about uncomfortable situations, um, Daniel, you, you actually preached chapel here a yes. couple weeks ago. It's been weeks ago, right? Yeah. It's two weeks ago Two now. weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, this is the first time you actually did chapel for us. Yeah. Um, and that, that's going to be an experience coming back to your high school and not sitting in the audience anymore, but you're up front. It's, it's, it's definitely an interesting experience because I'm now preaching to people who 
I wouldn't say are callous, but you know they're there for school. They're tired. I mean, most college students will tell you, like, when they hear, uh, especially for us, when we hear, uh, you know, child messages on Tuesday and Thursday, we're tired. Yeah. We've been up since 5 a.m. doing school stuff. And, you know, now a lot of us are going to go to work just to get even more tired, just to go back and do more schoolwork and go to bed late to wake up early in the morning the yeah. next day. We're tired. And you're tired, and these people are forced to be here. Yes. <laughs> we, we have a choice to be at college. Right. And I think, I think that helps a little bit, knowing the fact that we're choosing to be there. We, we, have a, we recognize there's a call in our life to be there. Um, these people aren't. So I, I think that was probably the most unique challenge is we're trying to get their attention. Yeah. And I don't know if I necessarily did that, but... You did. They were all asleep. <laughs> Sounds so like was it. I. No. Um, <laughs> no, actually, we got a lot of good feedback. So... The message you preached was from John 8, so I'm going to have you read that text, yeah, so. and we're going to kind of discuss that. Okay. All right, so chapter 8, uh, and then here it is, verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in By the, the way, morning, I got you a KJV. Oh, did you? I oh, thought, yeah. Well, thank I you. thought you'd appreciate that. I, I do really appreciate that. Uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him and sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst... They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued to ask him, he lifted himself, and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him, ca- uh, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even at the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Okay. So your take on this passage was more than just, it wasn't... Uh, you know, the issue is a woman who is caught in adultery. Yes. And you're saying, you took a different perspective, saying we're not going to talk about adultery so much, which is good because, you know, these high school students aren't really dealing with adultery yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what, 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 tell us the perspective you took. So I kind of took the perspective of the Pharisees and Jesus here. If you really look at the passage, you know, the Pharisees, they're... They're casting stones. They're not just casting stones at this woman. They're trying to cast stones at Jesus. I mean, we can take a look throughout all the Gospels, and the Pharisees have just been out for Jesus. They're, they're yeah. looking for a reason to kill him because there is an enemy. And my, my stance that I took was you can cast stones at people in a figurative sense. Yeah. Um, looking at this passage, you know, even there in verses 1 through 3, uh, we notice that, you know, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives. He's teaching in this large crowd. Yeah. And the Pharisees, they're, they're probably looking at this with envy because, you know, they're the high and spiritual people. They're religious. Right. They, there's, Jesus even puts them as their white sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Yeah. You know, that's what they are. They, they aren't spiritual. They're religious. They're yeah. acting And religious. a lot of people don't realize about the Pharisees. I mean, we look at this, you know, thousands of years later. Yeah. And nobody, you know, it's not a good thing to be called a Pharisee. No. Um, but back then it was. Yes. These were looked at as... Not just uh, religious leaders, but these were the spiritual heroes of the faith. Yes, these were the people who were key, in, in, in an age of compromise. They were they would have they been were towing the line. Yeah. They were the ones that they would have been up there with Abraham, Moses, right? 
you know, these these would have been the heroes that were stood up for the Romans, you know. Yes. Kind of like how, like, you know, we have, like, Uncle Sam who, you know, throws his fist at one yeah. of the foreign countries that's trying to mess with us. Kind of type of deal. Right. So they, <clears throat> these were highly respected. Yeah, yes. But yet, yeah, the Bible, you know, we, we see that they're, they're just dead men bones. That they aren't spiritual right. in any sense of the matter. And we, we notice that because they go to the Levitical law. And I, I really love this because Jesus, he, he handles them in a certain way that doesn't directly point out their flaw. But it points out the fact that they're still sinners. Yeah. You know, we, like we talked about, you know, people are putting people on higher pedestals. Yeah. And, you know, a, a problem with that is, is that that can put envy in other people's hearts. Right. But then it also puts an ego in the pastor's heart. Yeah. And that ego can then fuel with stones when somebody steps into their territory. Right. And we need to recognize that we're all part of the body of Christ. We're all in need of the same grace. Yeah. You know, Jesus, he, he didn't come to divide the people he didn't come to judge he came to seek and to save people and bring them to repentance um and that's what we see here is he's trying to push people like your sinners in need of grace right you know they right here in the uh, the pharisees they make the point of she was taken into adultery in the very act yeah. but if we were to go to i believe it's leviticus thirteen twenty, no fourteen twenty, and then deuteronomy twenty two twenty we'd see that adultery is the stoning of both the man and the woman yeah. The very act is saying here is that they knew who the man was. Right. So it takes two to tangle. Yeah, it takes two to tangle. So where's the man here? Right. You know, they they've set their own trap and then they fell into it. Yeah. So they're trying to fool Jesus. They're they're trying to get him um to turn against this woman. Yeah. And and then use it against him. Right. And he's not falling for it. No, he's not falling for it. He's he's they're casting stones at this woman to get at Jesus to cast stones at him. Right. And, you know, that's something that we so often see in our day and ages. You know, we're called to be ministers. You know, like we talked about, we're, we're called to, you know, I mean, we talk about, like, you know, the fruits of spirits, joy, love, peace, temper, and self-control. Yeah. We're not called to be envious. We're not called to be stoners or malice. And yet that's something we so often see in Christians today. We, right. People are so quick to judge and to cast stones. Right. You know, we, we look at, you know, today's day and age, people are so quick to point out other people's flaws, but not their own. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you have Jesus dealing with this woman. The only one concerned about this woman is Jesus. Yes. Uh, they're, again, they're not even concerned about the sin of adultery. No. Because if they were, they'd have both of these people up here. Yeah. Um, so we don't know. Maybe it was one of them. Uh, you know, you know I, I make that argument. But there's nothing in the right. passage that right. you know can directly point that you know, out. And that's speculative, and we don't yeah. want to get caught up too much in that. Yeah. But um, it's clear that their concern is not the sin. Their, yeah. their concern is we want to trip up Jesus somewhere, and we're going to use this woman as a pawn in our game. Yeah. And so Jesus looks at this woman, and it's, it's interesting how he deals with her, because unlike the Pharisees, he deals with this person as... Just that person. Yeah. And I think sometimes we lose that. It's, it's easy to be, you know, the defender of righteousness. Yeah. And I'm going to preach against the sins of this world, and we need to. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. Um, but we forget that these people we preach against are people made in the image of God yep. who need the grace of God mm-hmm. and who need to hear about the wonderful gift of salvation. Yeah. Uh, but we're too condemned. We're, we're too concerned with the actual condemning part. We're, we want to 
stone the homosexual. Yeah. We want to stone the transgender person or uh, the woman who's had an abortion or all of these things, which are sins. We don't ever want to we, say that's yeah, not. No. But we also want to realize that these sinners are they're people. They're still people. Yeah. We, we talked about I, – I quote Paul David Tripp, you know, just to do yeah. – because that's the book I'm currently reading. I – that's you know because I know you do a recommendation. That's my recommendation. Yes. It's Paul David Tripp's Dangerous Calling. It's not just for ministers; it's for people that attend church as well. Right. Because he's they're pointing out flaws that ministers have. They're yeah. they're people in need of grace. We don't we don't see in the Bible Jesus Christ, the pastor, the body of Christ. We see the body of Christ and then Christ. He, yeah. He's the head of the church. The people that are leading the church are just that people. They are yeah. in need of that same grace that Christ gives to everybody. Right. And we and that's you know people like we said life's messy. Yes. You know we we can't sit here and deny the fact that ministry is just fun all the time. There's there's going to be burdens. There's going to be people that are face problems. Life is ugly. Right. And you need to show them the same love and compassion without condemning them. You you need to help them recognize that what they did was sinful, but that God's grace is more than their sin. Right. And Jesus Himself says, "I didn't come here to condemn the world, but through this <clears throat> message, I want people to be saved." I I always think of Luke twelve because yeah. we. We see the rich man comes, and he's talking about the dividing the inheritance. And Jesus is there, once again, talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. Right. And he completely misses the whole message, the whole point of what God's preaching out, because of the inheritance. Yeah. So, it's important for, because a lot of churches, we were talking about this. Uh, we, we, had a, we had a good breakfast. Yeah, we had a uh, breakfast. Over at Beloit Family Restaurant. And Beloit Family Restaurant, if you're listening, we could use a sponsorship for the podcast. <laughs> uh, we just gave you some free advertisement. Yeah. Here. Um, maybe even just a free meal would be great. That would be fantastic. Uh, but anyway, so uh, <laughs> we were talking about the idea that there's a lot of churches that um, they're very comfortable with where they are. Yes. They have the same crew that shows up each each Sunday. Maybe maybe you've got your own pew there. Maybe you've got whatever. And, Can I get mine in Braille right there? Just yeah. Just Daniel's spot. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's the same group. You hear, and it's more of like a country club yep. uh, with, with a message than it is an actual church because when you get into the ministry ministry gets ugly you deal with women who've been caught in adultery yep. you deal with drunks you deal with drug addicts you deal with people that it's easy for us to preach against it's easy for us to condemn those are the bad people they're not like us and so it's easy to ignore our sins because our sins aren't as yucky yeah. as those sins are uh, my sin is, you know, anger or gossip or bitterness, but which are kind of socially acceptable. And well, I was just going to say that's socially acceptable, but that's still sin, right? And you know, I think I think we too often forget that sin is sin. You know, God's grace covers all sin. Doesn't matter how far you've gone, how deep the rabbit hole is. Yeah, you can still be forgiven, right? And you know, I know some people find that hard to accept because there's in our society we we look at people and like, well, he did this. He right. we can't accept him. You know, we go back to the story of Jonah. Yeah. And that's where Jonah ignores his own sin, you know. And, you know, I think at the end of Jonah where <laughs> the people have done... So Jonah goes to Nineveh. Yep. And he preaches. He doesn't preach repentance. He doesn't say go out and repent. He's 40 days and this place will fall down. Yeah, you're going to die. You're all going to die. Yep. You're all going to be destroyed. And what happens, the people listen to this and they start repenting. They, they start uh, begging God for forgiveness and... You think any preacher would be like, wow, hallelujah, that is a great revival that's broken out. But there's Jonah complaining to God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew they were going to repent. And I, 
He wanted them just to be condemned. Well, and I think that, you know, we look at Jonah, and he was preaching in a time when, you know, we had the prophecies that, you know, Israel was going to go into captivity. Right. And, you know, he, he saw that, and he was like, no way, fat chance. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't want his people. He knew the prophecy was going to come true. Right. And he just wanted them destroyed. Yeah. But he's, once again, he's casting stones at a people that still need grace. I mean, right. we, look at, we look at Daniel, you know, and, you know, in Babylonian captivity, and he, time and time again, he just stood up because of what God wanted. Right. You know, and, oh. My phone is ringing for some reason, but I'm going to hang up. <laughs> if it, well, if it's important to leave a message, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, we look at Daniel and just, like, his faith that he stood on. You know, he prayed three times a day. He was thrown in the lion's den. We look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At the end of the day, you know, he, all he did was try and sit up for his faith. Yeah. You know, he, he, we don't really see much, but he prophesied what God had told him to prophesy and he did what God had called him to do. Right. And that, you know, we look at Nebuchadnezzar and at the end, I believe it's like chapter four, I think it's chapter four, you know, we see Nebuchadnezzar's kind of talking there, or at least we can presume that yeah. from the passage, but we can assume that maybe he got saved. We, we, we can't be dogmatic or anything, but. You know, I got into a fight with my college professor, Scott Polly, if you're listening, <laughs> um, who who does listen to the podcast sometimes. Oh. He's been a guest on the podcast. You should read his books. Oh, okay. Very good. Um, but Scott Polly's convinced that Nebuchadnezzar is not there, and I'm convinced he's in heaven. So I said, Scott, when we get to heaven, first person I'm looking for is Nebuchadnezzar. Second person I'm looking for is you, and I'm going to introduce you. <laughs> um, but anyway, but... <laughs> Okay, I'm off track. I don't even know where we're going. But, but you know, the, the title of this, of this uh, podcast is going to be Ministry is Messy. Yep. And it should be. Yeah. Um, Jesus had love and compassion on this woman. These guys are ready to kill her. And at the end, it's always interesting that Jesus doesn't just excuse her sin. No, he says go and sin no more. Yeah. So he recognizes that what she did was wrong and sinful, but he tells her to go do it no more. He, right. he forgives her. And, you know... <clears throat> One of the things that I've learned throughout the years as teaching, there are times where I want to come down hard on students. Because you people really tick me off sometimes. (laughs) We know. Um, And you do it on purpose sometimes. Anyway. Our class, especially. um, Yeah. (laughs) A couple couple of people in your class. but um, Thankfully, I wasn't one of them. Or at least I tried not to be. Yeah, I got no comment on that. (laughs) So anyway. um, But there are times, I I don't remember where I heard this from. I think it was our... Our administrator had said this once. The question you got to ask at some point is when, when you see someone in trouble, someone who's causing trouble, who's this, you've got to come up with the perspective, what does this student need from me right now? Yeah. And that's what we're going to approach this with, whether it's, again, we can list our, our you know, the real bad sinners. Yeah. Um, but the question is, what do they need? Yeah. Um, do they need to be condemned do they need, or do they need to hear forgiveness? So for some people that, yes, you... you they need to hear that they're wrong. You know, and I think I hit that when we when I was talking about chapel because I, you know, I was addressing the students, but I was also recognizing I was also just, I wasn't just addressing the students; I was addressing the teachers too. Right. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I made sure to recognize that hey, these are going to be the future leaders one day. Yeah. Pastors, politicians, how are you investing in them now? Yeah. Are, are you showing them God's grace? Or are you just quick to condemn and cast a stone at them? And yeah, and there are times where they need to be condemned. They yeah. need to know what they're wrong. Yeah. But here's the thing. How do you know the difference? How do you know when someone needs to be condemned or someone needs to hear this message of forgiveness? And that's where ministry gets messy because you actually have to have a relationship with these people. You actually have to know them, which means 
you can't ignore the homosexual, the transgender person, the abortionist, the even murderer or adulterer or whatever. Um, you actually have to have a relationship with some of these people, get to know them for the purpose of figuring out what does this person need mm-hmm. and how can I present the love of Christ? How can I reflect God's love in this person's life? You know, uh, there's this, there's a saying that I've heard. A pastor shouldn't be somebody on a pedestal and he should be a window. Hmm. To reflect Christ. Yeah. Like when you see him, it should be a window in recognizing who Christ is. Right. You need to recognize that man is in still in need of the same grace. Yeah. But he, but as you look to him for guidance, you should see Christ giving you the guidance. And that's what we talked about this earlier, but that's where a lot of pastors get in in trouble because when, when you are in that role, it's easy to get a big head and put yourself on that pedestal. Because you have a lot of theological knowledge, more than most people do, and people are coming to you for advice, yeah. people want to hear you each Sunday, and you're expected to be the guy, yeah. the man of God, or whatever. And the truth of the matter is, you're a sinner just like other people are, and you need to remind yourself that you need God's grace, and that you need to confess your sin, mm-hmm. you need to be a good repenter yourself, and that's how you keep from getting on the pedestals realizing you're a sinner just like everybody else is. Yep. And I think I think too often, you know, like we said, you know, pastors will preach it and we'll practice it. Right. You know, uh, you know, we always hear like, you know, the doctor, it's a profession, but it's also a practice. Because, you know, practice always makes better. Right? Yeah. How they get away with that, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's the it's the same as pastoring, you know. It's you know, it's it's yeah, it's our calling. But it's something that we need to be practicing all the same. Not just like in the public persona, but in the private life. Right. You know, people, you guys can't see this, but, you know, we, we talk about there's the public persona and then there's the private. Yeah. And too often pastors will live both. And you can't do that. Right. You know, you, you'll straddle the fence with both your sinful nature and this public persona of a godly man. And really, you, you need to be one man who's in need of the same grace. Right. You know, you're, you're still a wicked individual just like everybody else yeah. is. You know, the Bible, you know, we can look to several different Bible verses, both in Romans. Uh, I believe Jude has a verse in there. First uh, and Second Corinthians. You know, they all talk about, yeah, you're, you're wicked. Yeah. But God's grace can overcome that. Right. And so it's important for every Christian to know that you're not better than anybody else. In fact, if we learn anything from the Christian faith, it's I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Yeah. Just like every other person I've ever met and will ever meet in my life. That ought to be a humbling thing. So ministry ought to get messy. i got to deal with people that I don't want to deal with. And the only reason that, that, that that's an issue is because of my own pride and my ego. And I need to not grow up, but in a sense grow down. I need to be yeah. humble. So I guess another thing is, is for the pastors out there, you know, I know a lot of people will practice what they preach. But you know, if, you're, if you're trying to push a ministry, make sure that you're also jumping headlong into it. Yeah. You know, I... You know, going back to that, you know, pastors, you know, they, uh, once again, practice what they preach, but they won't, they won't be the, they don't, they want somebody else to jump high long in first before they will. Right. If they will at all. And, you know, that's, that's not ministry. You know, you're, you're the example, you know, you're that window. Right. So you need to make sure that you're also jumping headlong just the same. You know, we, you know, we talk about like, you know, we need to like, you know, roll our sleeves up and get into the mud and, you know, grit and grit, you know. 
that's that's ministry. You know, you right. if ministry is messy, don't don't sit there and try and be a clean freak. You know, jump yeah. along into it. All right, we're gonna have to end on that <clears throat> note because I'm getting text from my wife reminding me I got to get home. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So for our recommended resources. Um, Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. Dangerous it's, Calling by this, Paul David Tripp. And like I said, this isn't just a book for pastors. I rec- I highly recommend it to pastors, but you know, for people that just think, you know, attend church service, if you're really looking just to be a blessing to your pastor, this is a phenomenal book to really look at. Right. And the other book we're going to recommend, or I'm going to recommend, is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Daniel, you're, you have a copy of this book now because I just gave it to you. Oh, well, thank you. So, Merry Christmas. Oh, well, thank you. Happy New Year. That's your birthday <laughs> gift as well. So, you're, well, I mean, you're a couple of months, but, you know, nonetheless. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap it up here. So don't forget to uh, be praying for Daniel as he goes back to school pretty soon here in a couple of weeks. And um, we don't know if he's going to be available in the summer. Well, we, yeah, um, we don't know. We could, I so, could, we could probably talk about that, you know, me coming back for a week. Yeah, we or, or we, could do, we could record something yeah. via Zoom or something. Yeah. But anyway, so pray for Daniel. And uh, don't forget to check us out at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Uh, look at, for our Facebook group and then join us on Instagram and Twitter at Basic Bible Cast. So until next week, have a good rest of your week.